0: Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast. This is where we have unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast for the past year, yes, I'm excited to say we are nearly at 12 months that we've been running this, which is super exciting. I decided I wanted to do something a little bit different for you today. The premise of the podcast came from the series of books that I wrote around topics that made people feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I felt that there were particular chapters in some of those books that are really pertinent. So if you haven't had a chance to read any or you've read one or maybe haven't seen them as yet, then I figured actually let's share some of those topics. And if you have read them and heard it, well, some of the stuff that I'm going to share with you is probably a good reminder as well. So today I'm going to read you a chapter from the book Death Doesn't Have to Be Morbid, which is really around life, death and learning to grieve. And um, there are a couple of lessons in there that I think are uh, really interesting for people. So hopefully you enjoy that. I'd love to know what you think. And uh, thank you for those people that have rated and provided a review on the podcast because it really does make a difference. And If you feel compelled to, I'd love you to uh, do a review and rate for me here because it really helps to get these podcasts and these um, conversations out to more and more people, which is really important. I get some beautiful feedback that they do make a difference and it makes people think about things a little bit differently. This uh, book particularly, the whole point about the title was that people get really freaked out about talking about death and they do feel that it's a morbid topic and we shouldn't talk about it. And yet I think we should talk about it more because it actually helps to drive you and to make you appreciate what is really important in life. And for me, that's something to be reminded of every single day. So please enjoy this uh, short, sharp podcast. I'll be back next week with a interview with another guest, But I hope you like this little shorter format that I'll do a few more in future. Okay, please enjoy. Grieving is personal. It's better to conquer grief than to deceive it. Seneca. As I've stressed throughout, we all grieve a person's death differently it would have to be one of the most deeply personal emotional things you can ever go through. It depends on who the person was, their relationship to you, how they died, how you found out about it, the status of your relationship with them when they died, their age, your age, the list goes on. When you lose someone important in your life, it's entirely normal to enter a period of mourning. For many, this can be deeply isolating, challenging and extremely painful. And although our experiences will be unique, there are a few similarities that are common. The loss of both my parents ten years apart, and both far too young, has taught me resilience beyond compare. My significant losses have enabled me to talk openly about grief and dying far more among my friends and work colleagues. Many of my friends still today have both of their parents and some grandparents, so they won't necessarily understand how to navigate the grieving process. I didn't learn about the Kubler Ross five stages of grief cycle until many years after mum had died. I'm an organiser at heart, so I love a good process, but unfortunately for us all, grieving is not so cut and dry. While you do go through stages in the grief cycle, the variance of pain, time in each stage, time overall, and the work you go through in each phase are so unique. It's hard to compare or rationalise until you come out the other side. The originator of the well-known five stages of grief was Swiss-American psychiatrist and pioneer in near-death studies, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. In her studies of the terminally ill and dying, she found that we all go through five stages, those being denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. It's important to understand that these stages form a framework that makes up our learning to live with the one we've lost, but they are not stops on a linear grief timeline. Trust me, every grief journey you go on will be different. Being from the travel industry, a good analogy for me is like going on a trip overseas. Every one of them is different, and depending on where you go or what you do, they each have a different impact on you. First you decide where to go, You book, you pack, and you travel there. One time you go to Fiji and lie on a beach. The next you go to Japan and ski. Then Italy for a cooking course. Then you get on a plane, unpack, and resume your normal life. Where you go is different, and the length of time in each section will be different. You'll be affected in some way by your experience. You'll have ups and downs, amazing moments, and times when the weather is crap and you've missed your flights. You might well go on a trip a few times a year where all the fundamentals are the same, but every single one of those trips affects you differently every time. Grieving has been like that for me. I've done it enough now to recognise that while there are stages, every circumstance has been so unique, from how the person died to how years after they've been gone you're still stopped in your tracks when a song comes on that reminds you of them. Or tear up when you return to a cafe that was always their favourite. While I believe in the stages of grief, I don't believe that there is a distinct start, middle and set completion date that we're all able to just move on from. It's important to be aware of that, both when it's you going through grief and if or when you're supporting someone else who is. Every timeline will be different for everyone. Grief through a masculine and feminine framework. Unsurprisingly, men and women grieve differently there are a huge number of factors that contribute to how we grieve. I've devoured an incredible amount of literature over the years, learning more about the grieving process and how people cope in such challenging times. While everyone will have their own way, I was interested to learn that there are grieving traits that can be described as more feminine or more masculine. To be clear, this is not about gender. It doesn't mean that all women will exhibit feminine traits and all men will be masculine, but understanding the differences can be helpful in seeing where you're at on your grieving journey and or recognising traits in someone you're supporting on theirs. Masculine grieving is characterised by feeling invisible, misunderstood and unwanted. A few signs of masculine grieving include Keeping to yourself Dealing with your pain silently versus talking about it Remaining in control Not letting your guard down and not revealing feelings or emotions. Getting on with it. Not dwelling and a desire to move on quickly. Fixing it. Focusing on problem solving, staying in control and overcoming grief quickly. Feminine grieving traits include being more open, wanting to share feelings and express how you're feeling with others. Feminine grieving traits include telling your story, Saying what emotions you're feeling and needing to feel heard. Feeling your way through. Talking it out with others to help feel through the grief. Seeking support and connection. Gaining perspective and understanding. Remembering. Thinking about the loved one and your times together and sharing those moments. Analyzing my two significant losses, the death of my mum and then of my dad, and looking at these traits... I can say that for mum I exhibited many masculine grieving traits and for dad I exhibited many feminine grieving traits. Just goes to prove the point that even individuals grieve differently under different circumstances. So there you have it, a little reading from the book Death Doesn't Have to Be More, but I hope you found that insightful. If you'd like to read the book in full, you can find the books on my website, wabisabiseries.com, Uh, Also, they're available in Audible if you want to listen more to my voice, reading them to you, and uh, most uh, online bookstores as well. And please let me know what you think of the little short, sharp episodes if you'd like to hear more of these, and uh, yeah, drop me a line, hello at wabi-sabi-series.com, or on Instagram, uh, Facebook, any of the channels that you uh, prefer to hang out on. Hope to uh, hear your thoughts and feedback and uh, I'll otherwise hear from you next week.